Welcome back to Unemployed. It's the podcast where honestly doing this podcast makes me feel employed. Does it make you feel employed, Ellen? Oh, yeah. I definitely look at this as a job that I, you know, do for free. (laughs) Me too. It's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. I mean, we do have that sweet, sweet Patreon. You know, I'm going to talk about it in the beginning. We never talk about it. I post all the videos there. I'll post other shit if you want right now. You know, there's a couple patrons on there. It pretty much covers this Zoom account and the podcast hosting site. But like Ellen and I would love to make millions doing this. Millions. Millions. Right? We'd love to. Even if you're like a bed company, a sheet company, anybody listening to this, you know, I will influence pretty much anything, right? Casper, Brooklyn, and yeah, Spotify. <laughs> Any of you guys out there? These Is are the me ads. Undies still a thing? Me undies. I should be. Honestly, this is what I want to talk about. I would love to influence underwear and like thongs and stuff because you know I have absolutely no problem showing my ass on the internet. Yeah, I mean that's like an easy. Yeah, that I just know. makes sense. It's a no-brainer. A no-brainer. I know. I was just telling Ellen right before we started recording. I I filmed a dirty TikTok. <laughs> I've never gone into dirty Nasty, TikTok before. Dirty TikTok. <laughs> it's like only borderline only fans, which I have thought about making. Like you, I I. Don't don't have problems being naked on like I'm not going to run for president I mean maybe I'll run for president but hopefully by then they'll normalize having nude photos out of the the internet (laughs) you're okay with it and like Jared's okay with it I don't see why not a lot of people are always like are your parents okay with you showing your butt on Instagram because you know I show my ass a lot and my parents are on Instagram that's the only social media they have they don't have Facebook they don't have Twitter anything else yeah. and uh, and whenever I show my ass my mom will be like you look cute she has a cute butt like she thinks of me as <laughs> still as like a baby oh, that's so nice. <laughs> she's like I made that butt that's a cute butt why not why wouldn't you show it show if you got it, it flaunt it yes exactly. that's so cool of your mom <laughs> but it has come, uh, you know, I, I have been more aware of it. Like when I got hired at HQ, one of the first days I was there, they asked me to change my Twitter handle because it used to be unemployed Anna, which <laughs> it's a brand. Come on. You know, it's, it's, it's your not, brand, yeah. it's not a total lifestyle, but it is a brand. And, uh, they were like, can you change that? So when you go on camera and you're like, Hey guys, follow me on social media at unemployed Anna, they <laughs> don't. <laughs> They don't think because we don't pay you. That would be a little bit. Yeah. It's like you're at a job. Why are you saying you're unemployed? I guess because our handle, you know, on HQ, that was like a big deal is like yeah. getting some followers. So like our handle is like up there. And I remember the first few beta games. I was like, you can find me right here at unemployed. Anna. And then Nick like took me aside and was like, yeah, you're going to have to like change it. And I was like, oh, OK. <laughs> So, whatever. I still have it though. Oh my god! I'm thinking about how many followers I would get after HQ After Dark. That, was, <laughs> that felt so nice to get so many random followers. I know. Oh my god! For those who uh, who never watched HQ After Dark, go get on YouTube. We used to do this show. Ellen would produce it. We would go live, do an HQ game, but we were allowed to say like anything we wanted and like you know talk shit and be funny and we drank and we were very silly and Ellen your hand came on camera that was because mm-hmm. you didn't want to come on camera but your hand like brought us something on camera right like yeah so, I'm camera and- shy but I thought my hand like turned into a cam- uh some sort of character yeah it was like and- a meme 
Yeah, it was like a meme. Somebody started an Instagram account for my hand, which was really creepy. And yeah, weird. that's how you know you've made it. When the creeps make you a, a, yeah. a handle for one of your body parts. Yeah, I felt really famous after that. But yeah, I was trying to make like the hand thing after a while. You know, like, what can my hand do this week? But Let's see it. Let's see it. Show me the hand. Check it out. Wow. Yeah, join that Patreon. You really want to see this famous hand. This hand that has an, a Twitter account, an Instagram account. Ellen's Beautiful. hand. <laughs> <laughs> that was so weird anything we did anything there were so many people latch on to anything it's so funny what becomes a meme you know yeah anyway of minds yeah anyway should i start an only fans what do you think about that I'm still kind of confused about OnlyFans. Is it was a really very just... long pause. <laughs> <laughs> it is no. a site where people, I think, like do kind of, you know, rated more rated X stuff for is their fans. Is that what it's built for? Or is it just like sort of like a Patreon where like you can give your followers like something exclusive? I don't know. I don't know what the intention was to begin with, but my yeah. my impression is is it's like naked stuff, more naked stuff, you know, at least mm-hmm. the people I know on it are taking off their tops for mm-hmm. it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, if you're going to be giving it away for free on TikTok, you might as well start an OnlyFans. Yeah. But it seems like it seems, I mean, I give it away for free on, on Instagram too for years now. It seems sure. like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's like people will respect you or, you know, in the industry, they'll be like, she has an OnlyFans. We can't hire her. She does porn. But like, what it's a pandemic if i want to show my butt and make a couple bucks i don't know yeah, I, don't I can you tell i'm still thinking about it i, I don't want to i don't know let me know guys if you listen to this podcast and you want to see me have an only fans yeah, you know, know if there's enough leave, demand leave a, leave a review and say yes or no to the only fans yeah account. i would love all my reviews to be like anna threatened to start an only fans haven't seen it yet whereas i would love to know uh i'm very excited for our our guest today i am i am a fan I, i'm not the only fan but i am a fan of his he is a very funny comedian his videos have literally saved me in quarantine he cracks me up. You also might know him. He is the host of Slumber Party Podcast, which is now on iHeartRadio. Hello, fancy. We've got Tim Murray on the pod. Hi. What's up? How you What's doing? What's up? Anna? The crowd's going wild. Oh, Come on up to the People are throwing stage. their bras. They're throwing oh their God. shoes. I can't. All the way from Los Angeles. Wow. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. When I first met you, you, I was like, I was telling, I just, I was like about to move to LA in like 13 days or something. And you, you were? were like, yeah, I think we had just done a show in like December and I was moving in January and you were like, oh, I just lived there for a couple of years and I've done the New York thing and you were so helpful. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah. I lived in LA. I love LA. I mean, I don't know how it is, you know, I don't know how New York or LA are right now in a pandemic because right. I'm like... <laughs> don't leave I, don't, I wouldn't tell anyone either city is good but are you in have you been enjoying it since I'm you obsessed moved obsessed with LA I always wow. hated it as a New Yorker <laughs> I was always like fuck that city I'm not are we allowed to curse yes it's too late. Yeah. have you met me <laughs> totally <laughs> I, was, I was I just always remember like speaking of many jobs that I've had bartending and people coming in and being like have you ever thought about LA and me being like Ugh, what is out there hiking and like people who uh are, you know are, are Instagram models first and artists second and yep. now that I'm here I'm like 
Yeah, it is like that. It's amazing because <laughs> if you're if you're like at all have any East Coast sensibility or wherever you're from, if you have any like drive and motivation to move forward, people treat you here like you are some sort of like savant. Yeah. I'm like, all I did was show up on time. And they're yep. like, and you are amazing for that. Yeah. Although when I'm in LA, I'm later than I am in New York. I don't know why, but like I transform into Instagram model first. And they're like, she's definitely never lived on the East Coast. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I couldn't find parking. You know, I, I become You're learning so the language. LA. Yeah, you're immersing yeah. yourself in, in the vibe of how it works here. Well, because I lived there, whenever I go back to like visit or like if I go back for like a meeting or audition or work, I'm like, I always always rented a car in the last bunch of years but then because I I was like I know how to get around like I lived here I know how to drive I had a car but then when I do that I'm like I don't actually know where any of these places are I don't know their parking situation (laughs) and I fail (laughs) but my last my last like trip I ubered everywhere and I was like I'm a star. I'm like on time. I'm like good. <laughs> I'm nailing. It. I'm not wasting 20 minutes on parking. Nope. I had to stop Ubering because mama, some of these people really don't know how to drive. <laughs> I'm like, don't. what are you doing? Like sometimes I literally feel like I'm just like being slammed up against the back seat over and over again. Yeah, because everyone in LA is an Uber driver. Like, I feel like they're drivers who've driven for other companies or they've driven yellow cabs in New York, become Uber drivers. LA, like, you can literally be like, I'm 16, I got my license today, I'm becoming an Uber driver. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like the thing to do. Like, everyone here is a slash. Like, everyone here is producer slash director. Like, Ryan Murphy's an Uber driver. Yep. Um, Everybody, pretty much everybody, Ellen DeGeneres, she drives the (laughs) Ubs. Like, just because it's just. We want to stay multifaceted, I guess. I did once have an Uber driver in LA who I got in the car and they always talk. They talk way too much, right? I can't. It's a lot. It, that's like enough. That's to, a very West Coast thing. Yeah. It's like on the East Coast, we're like, yeah. 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 In the East Coast, I'm like, I have headphones and that means I will not speak. Like, I will say thank you when I leave, but that is it. Um, but I did get in a car once and no joke, this guy goes, so I got out of jail on Thursday. It was like Saturday. <laughs> I was like, he goes, don't oh. ask what for. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that Exciting. is wild. That is really wild. My go-to thing is, I think like for so many years growing up in Ohio, I the the safety part of me like clicks on when I'm meeting a straight man and I turn into like a different I'm not proud of this but I like totally code switch and I'm like hey how's it going like let's go to wherever we're going like my voice changes and I become full like trying to protect myself becoming mask or something and they always always try to talk to me about ladies bosoms and butts Always, I'll, like I'll give the girl too straight, and they're like, "Oh, he gets it." One hundred percent. I'm like, first of all, I asked you to take me to Mickey's and WeHo, so I don't know why. <laughs> but literally, they'll be like, "Hey, check out her bazingas or her torpedoes or whatever." And I'm always like, "Um, that you're making me extremely uncomfortable," <laughs> and I don't think that she would appreciate that actually. And then it turns into a fight, and then it's like, wow, bad. I just no. think this Whoa. makes. I just think this shows that you are actually an amazing actor, and you know, <laughs> you get in a car and you just give off that energy that you need to give, and they immediately are like, "He's my, he's my bro. I'm gonna talk about vaginas." <laughs> and if I could self tape in a lift, I would be on the biggest hit sitcom right now. <laughs> Absolutely. 
<laughs> you just made me want to watch someone do a self-tape in a lift. Honestly, that would be the funniest fucking... If you're like, hold on, I just have a green screen to, like, stick up behind me. <laughs> that would be so cool. Like, have the driver, like, run lines with you, too. I kind of want to do this. Can we do this? And we just have self... Uh, car car self-tapes. That's yeah. such a good idea for a sketch, honestly. Okay, Tim and I are doing it. Honestly, we're going to collaborate. I, I always wanted to make a video with you. And if this is it, well, all these listeners are getting a sneak peek. <laughs> yes. Uh, All right. So I want to talk about you. Have you been working during the pandemic? Have you been a little unemployed? What's your sit trait now? So like many of us, I was fully fired like on March 13th from my <laughs> m- my <laughs> most recent job. So I've been very, very lucky in the last couple of years, I will say. I was touring doing my stand-up show and that was making probably like I would say 75% of my money for the year in 2019. That's amazing. But- it was unbelievable. Like I, it was just it's truly such a dream come true. And I sort of just did it on like sheer will. I was like, I produced it myself. I called venues around the country and in the UK, and I was like, uh, "Can I come here for free, or can I pay, you know, two hundred and fifty bucks to rent the space?" And then I would make more money selling tickets, mm-hmm. and so that was great. But it wasn't enough to always cover like the flight costs or or my rent or whatever. So I had to supplement it and I was driving for Postmates and um, teaching acting to child models. That is so specific. Yeah. And <laughs> Just it child got- models. Like if they don't make the cut of like, if they're not a Jean Benet, like you don't, you don't even look <laughs> at their resume. Like- <laughs> I, w- I really wish, like I, I'm happy to really dive into this job because there's so much to say about it, but I'm going to try not to say the name of the place, but it is, you know, essentially anyone who came to the building was uh, invited child. to be a, a part of the school, quote unquote. Got it. But they tried to sort of make it seem like, oh, you got to have an amazing runway walk. And you have to- <laughs> Wait, I child, I modeled as a child. I get this. You did? Yeah, because I knew it would be great for my resume. And I was like, Mom, I should be Miss America. And so she put me in like a modeling school and I took some classes and then I did like a couple shows. I like modeled coats as like an eight-year-old. Oh, did you have fun doing it? Or were you um, like, this is trauma? I don't remember. I remember feeling like work. Like I was like, this is what work is. This is... This is- <laughs> This is the biz. My parents are like not at all in entertainment. So I just remember being like, I have a show today. I have a modeling show. Like <laughs> bragging oh, to my, my second grade God. class. But they I probably were like, so mad at you. They were like, ugh, eight-year-old model Anna <laughs> at, in on recess in the recess playground. And I just never got taller after second grade. So they were like, she peaked. That's it. She was a child model. <laughs> <laughs> no more. <laughs> okay, so this ha- place. So- how did you even find this? This is so fascinating. Craigslist, baby. <laughs> oh, school. Oh, school. I've done so much dumb shit on Craigslist. I found roommates on Craigslist. I have found auditions on Craigslist that have gone very awry. I once found an audition on Craigslist where the man next to me was sitting in a trench coat and he pulled a bologna sandwich out of his trench coat and started <laughs> eating it. And then they asked, they gave me a callback. It was like to be a radio show host or something. And during the callback, they were like, great. So if you want this job, you just have to pay us $100. (laughs) That what? I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I found this job on Craigslist because it was right after I'd moved to LA. 
I was really desperate for money. I had like kind of blown through the savings that I had saved up from New York. And my mm-hmm. boyfriend got in a bad ski accident. And no. yeah, he was had like he's an amazing a dancer, he's a dancer, right? <laughs> yeah. That's not okay. It was as traumatic as you could imagine. He was on the Aladdin tour and he hurt his knee really badly. And it was like, you know, he's a dancer so it it was really traumatic for both of us in a lot of ways and then I had to kind of become caretaker all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and I panicked and was like we have to make money so I looked on Craigslist for a job and this job (laughs) came up and I knew it was like a little scammy and gross but I was also like well maybe I can take this job and like help these kids and ultimately that is what it was and I'm really proud of the work that I did there and it was really fun it was like I mostly, you know, because some of these kids like truly had no desire to be a model. They were there because their parents were like, you need to learn about confidence and you need to learn how to hold your head up high and stand straight and, you know, not hunch your shoulders and how to, a lot of it was like, a lot of them were teenagers who they were like, my kid needs to get a job and they don't know how to interview for a job. So can you teach them like public speaking skills and stuff like that? Got it. So were some of them there to become Heidi Klum? Like were absolutely, absolutely, (laughs) and and like always, like the shittiest little ones were those ones. Like one time, a kid looked me right in the eyes and he was like, "I don't need your acting class. I already have my own vlog." (laughs) (laughs) That is the future, though. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, no, I didn't go to Juilliard. I had a vlog from the age of nine, and (laughs) I'm successful now." Like. That's crazy. It ran the gamut of kids like that. They're like, thought they were going to be the next Heidi Klum to like really, really little sweeties who were truly like didn't do well in school or didn't have a lot of like social skills who were learning that to then like, I had one like really wacko family who one time I asked, they were like super, super religious. And I asked the kids, um, what what does your perfect day look like? We were practicing public speaking and I was like, just, you know, speak about something that's easy for you to talk about. What would your perfect day look like? And this eight-year-old girl goes, my perfect day would be when I'm dead because then I get to meet Jesus. What? <laughs> oh my God. I was like, oh, okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> the kid so after her was guard. like, I get to play with my dog and go to the park. And I was like, that's more what I was expecting someone to say. Wow. Wow. Kids really have different lives than I did growing up. Although I begged my mom. I was like, please be a stage mom. Please. Please. I know. I know, right? I, could I make feel like you, you and I money. are the same. Yeah. <laughs> My mom was always like, I don't know. I don't know anything about this world. And I was like, would you just force me to sing and dance? <laughs> I feel like we were similar. My parents were like, just go to school first. If you still want to do it after school, you can do whatever you want. But as long as you get an education first, I was like, okay, fine. But ugh, school. Same. Ugh, yeah. school is right. Yes. Yeah. okay so you've been working so you've been coaching these kids during the pandemic like over okay so i sorry i was that was my job while i was doing my stand-up tour i was also uh teaching and then i took a break from the stand-up for like a few months to really stay at home and save money and teach a lot so i started working like I was there four or five days a week teaching a lot and like trying to save money back up. And then we got a WhatsApp. We got, we all were removed from the group WhatsApp and we were texting each other. The other teachers, we were like, what's going on here? And then we opened our emails and we had an email that was like, you've been terminated effective immediately. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we were like, like oh. situation. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Uh, same thing. Yeah, it was like mm-hmm. we got an email. I saw it on CNN and then and then I saw an email and it was like, you've been, uh, the company is dissolved. You've been let go immediately. Like we were like, huh? On Valentine's on Day. Valentine's Day. Yeah, on was, Valentine's Day. On Valentine's Day. pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, not it's, to, you know, one-up you on the firing, but yeah, that's traumatic. I feel for no, you. I love firing stories because it's like, it is so crazy, especially for us. I feel like <laughs> it's hard to explain to our parents' generation that like, what do you mean when you say like work harder or do, it's like, I have now been fired from <laughs> two jobs that I was really good at <laughs> like what do you yeah it's crazy it's yeah. crazy it's out of our control like yeah i don't know they you know they figured out a way to not to like get jobs that they don't get fired from i guess well they just lived at a time when people had jobs for 40 years yeah and they say millennials the average millennial will be fired from three jobs really that's what i've heard st- yeah you got stats for us i didn't know that that's important that- I read that somewhere. It was probably on a Facebook status, but <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but I do think that that's true. It's like, you know, when you think about all these side hustle jobs that we've, many of us have, and most people, I think a lot of millennials are hyphens. Like they have lots of part-time jobs. And Absolutely. We're, Especially yeah, after a pandemic. Dissolve. I mean, everyone's a hyphen now. It's, it's insane. Right. Right. So since then, I've just been doing my podcast and claiming unemployment when I got fired and I um, recap uh, Drag Race for Screen Rant. Fun. Yeah, that's I'm watching been really this fun. season. Are you enjoying? I am really enjoying it. Yeah, I I did fall asleep the other night, but that was because I I drank and ate too much. It wasn't because of the show. <laughs> but I'm like, I have to go back. I don't know who was kicked off. It's hard because <laughs> I I know who's kicked off from Twitter. You know. It, it, but yeah, I'm, I am enjoying it. I I always caught like an episode here and there, but I never like fully watched a season. So now that I stay home all the time, it was a show I wanted to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's really pure joy. And it's yeah, if you ever want advice about like where to go back and watch a full season, um, I'm your boy. I really, really love that Can show. Can I ask you, though, who's your favorite this season? Do you have a okay. favorite? Um, for American Drag Race? Because I'm yeah. also watching UK. Um, I'm... <sighs> Really loving Simone. Like, to me, Simone. that's like, she's so far and away above I everybody else. I think Gottmik and Simone are like my front runners. Gottmik is really sickening as well. I really, really like Gottmik. Yeah. And I also really like Utica, which was shocking yes. to me. Yeah. She's killing it. Yeah. Yeah. Utica, at first, you're like, oh, the hippy dippy queen who's just the, the goofball there. And then you're like, wow, okay, she pulls out like high fashion looks and like, she looks like, what's her face to me? Um, Catherine, why am I blank? You know, uh, the actress. <laughs> I'm so tired. I can't think of her fucking name. Catherine Heigl. Catherine uh, um, Hahn. Nope. Hold on. I'm g- No, no. <laughs> Tall, blonde. Cat- to me, she Ooh, looks I can't think um, of it. Fuck it. almost Fuck it. identical to... Oh, I can't remember Kate her name. Kate Blanchett. Was, oh, I see that. I see that. To me, she looks like... Um, uh, the stepsister from the Brandy Cinderella movie. She looks almost <laughs> identical to that woman. She's like a legendary theater actress, and her name is escaping me now. But I know that's what, what you mean. Like. And I can't. <laughs> don't ask me to think of another name. Oh my god, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Yeah, a mix between the two for sure. Ellen, yeah. are you watching Drag Race? No, 
<laughs> I usually no. watch them like several years later, never live. Mm. It's fun to watch it live, but it is pressure because you can't go on social media if you fall asleep and you're early, you know, whatever. It's pressure. Yeah, it will get spoiled. Yeah. All right. So I want to take it back pre pandemic before you're coaching these beautiful little models. Uh, what was like the first job you ever had growing up? The first job I ever had was at a swimming pool. I was the snack shack worker, <laughs> which was honestly an unbelievable job. It was six twenty five an hour. That was minimum what? wage in Ohio. In Ohio. Mm-hmm. Wow. It was six dollars and twenty five cents an hour. And uh I basically did everything in this mini like little shack of a restaurant. Like I cooked the burgers and the chicken fingers and the ice cream and uh served people. Wow. But it was so low pressure and low stakes because it's a pool. So, you know, for 15 minutes on the hour, everybody would, the kids would run down to ask for food or whatever during the break. But mm-hmm. mostly you got to sit there and this was pre like iPhones. So I would sit there and read for like <laughs> most of the, and you How could like, How old were you? I got it when I was 13. Holy shit, you were cooking yeah. burgers, flipping burgers, and like serving people at 13? I know. Isn't that wild? Wow. Were, yeah. Did you want to get a job, or were your parents like, we'd love for you to work? I wanted to get a job. I really like, uh, yeah, I have older brothers and uh, older brother and older sister. And I remember my sister working at Perkins Pancake House in high school <laughs> and just coming home and being like, I'm so tired. <laughs> and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I was so like, adult. I, I want to be tired. Yeah. So, yeah, I felt like it felt like playing pretend that job always. I did it for like three years. And it uh, it also was so social. Like I was on the swim team at that pool as well. So. I would go to swim practice and then stay and work. And working was truly like, other than the occasional, like having to clean out the fryer, it mostly was like, I would leave the shack and sit like in the pool area and play cards and like <laughs> chat with people. It was, so you had, the, like, a it was an amazing job. every Tuesday at work. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. That. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's great. So you did that. I guess you're in middle school, right? 13. I, that's young. I, it was between, I guess, eighth grade and freshman year of high school. Yeah. Wow. So I did it freshman, freshman, sophomore, and junior year. And then I was like, I have to get a real job that makes real money. Because there were no tips or anything. It was truly like six twenty five <laughs> an hour. And so then I got a job at Ruby Tuesday in the mall. Summer oh, before college. I'm <laughs> familiar. Yes, yes, yes. Wait, did yeah. your friends like hit you up? Were they like, you work at Ruby Tuesdays? Like we're coming in? <laughs> or no? <laughs> What was crazy about it was, like, I took that job very seriously because it was super corporate America. Like, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't, like, the I got away with murder at the pool. Like, I literally probably <laughs> charged people for 20% of what they would pay for. Right. <laughs> like, I would just give away Gatorades and give away chip burgers and give away, you know, did whatever I wanted. And then at Ruby Tuesday, it was very strict and very, and, you know, I was, um, turning eight or I just turned 18 I think and so that job was like so I guess I worked at the the pool for five years but I was I was 17 turning 18 and it was like my first time working with gay people 
And a lot of them were like in their 30s. Mm-hmm. And so, and some of them were like women in their 50s. And they were, you know, these chain smoking women that had lived in my town forever. And they'd been waitresses in my town forever. <laughs> and it was like a whole world was opening up to me. Like one time I walked back and one of them literally took like a plate full of fries and threw it at one of the chefs. What? Because I, I don't know. They just had a lot of history. I forget what it, it was even the fight was even about. But it was it's like a, a fascinating time. It's a dramatic uh, scene to walk into. I'm like, it's like a mm-hmm. telenovela where she's like, "Your yeah. French fries." <laughs> yeah, it was. It was like people were screaming at each other all the time. I lost my virginity to two of the men that I worked with at that Ruby Tuesday. At Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah. I no, should like, say lost my virginity. Not at Ruby. No, no, no. Oh no, I that never would have hooked made up. That's even more bad, even better. But I did have a bar job in New York City for five years, and I did hook up with a lot of people at that bar. My friend used to have sex with her manager at the Bobby Flay restaurant in Union Square. <laughs> I was like, That's such a what? New York City thing. Like it's like you're so miserable working at those restaurants that you're like, I just want to. <laughs> I would be like, where? It, it just closed. She's like, well, we closed the upstairs first. So like you can kind of just like go in the banquettes upstairs, like before the downstairs is closed. I'm like, so there's people downstairs, like finishing up their drinks and stuff. And you're having sex on the top floor. She's like, yeah, no one can see us. I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Got it. Oh, cool. with people, in, people were still in the rest. I mean, that's <laughs> wild. This was a tiny little wine bar that literally only had three tables. So like at one in the morning, I'd be locking the doors and closing up and like, you know, That's one time hot. I was working with such a hot guy. Oh my God, he was so, so sexy. He was this Italian man in his like early 40s. And I was probably like 28, 27 or something. And we had been flirting all night. It was our first time working together. We'd been flirting all night. And then as we were counting the money, we both kind of looked at each other and we threw the money down and we fully had intercourse. Oh my God. <laughs> and That's then. Sexy. I was like in love. I was like so into him. And I um, would like come visit the bar when I wasn't working to flirt with him. And he pulled me aside and he goes, I want to talk to you. It is my dream that we no longer have sex together. <laughs> His dream? His that's dream. So that's the hottest breakup I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> was he like, I'll let him off easy. <laughs> yeah, it is my dream. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Every boy wants to hear. (laughs) It is my dream. Honestly, that whole scene, though, that should open your pilot. You know, just you (laughs) fucking someone on a bar. You're like, fuck all this money. (laughs) Love is all we need. (laughs) Love is all we need. Turns out it wasn't love. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Did Did you still work there after that? Was it awkward? We worked together, yeah, and what made it worse was he was truly one of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life, <laughs> and so bad at his job, So, and everybody thought that. Like, we, we'd all talk about it. We'd be like, wow, that guy's so hot, um, but also, like, could he be worse at this? Like, <laughs> he was just, he was, he was slow. He was like, and you know, you've, you've worked in New York City restaurants, have you? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yes. you know how it is. It's, it's literally years. like... It, I mean, if you can't keep up, it's it can be hell. It's like it's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, it's hell. But it's like I always talk about how it's hard to get out because you're like, where else am I going to make this much money and like not have to care? But it's hell. You see hell. Like I always say, everyone should work in a restaurant for like a month of their life, and like the world would be a better place. Like one hundred percent. I think Even- every yeah. 
even yeah. rich people. <laughs> even rich people. Like, it's like an act of service that you have to have experienced. Because when I am out to eat with somebody who hasn't waited tables, you smell it and taste it right away. You know what's right happening. Away. And you're like, I don't know if I can be friends with you. I've I've truly canceled dates. Like, when it... If it's going that way, I'm like, at the end of the night, I'm like, listen, this is this is not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really yeah. hard. Yeah. All right. We got off track. So you're at Ruby Tuesdays. You're seeing the world. You're losing your virginity. You're a, a experience. You're like, I've restaurants. I've lived it. Um, was that your last job before you came to New York or did you go to school? I went to After college that? in Miami and they tried to transfer me to the Miami Ruby Tuesday. Oh. <laughs> They, wow. they, they pulled them. My manager pulled me aside and I guess he must have like, you know, been g- getting a bonus or something for keeping somebody on staff because uh-huh. he was like, I really, really, really want you to transfer to this location. You know, I think you're really great and you can make money while you're in college. And I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. So <laughs> I like, went I'm to, going to s- Miami. I'm not wearing a Ruby Tuesdays <laughs> uniform. <laughs> When I was like, I'm fully, like, I'm about to be drunk seven days a week and on the beach. I'm not working. And then I would always work over the summers. So uh, that was my last job before college. And then every summer during college, I worked at summer stocks and theme parks. Oh, wow. Were you Mm -hmm. a musical theater major? I was an acting major, but I was obsessed with musical theater. So, like, I went that route very much. Got it. Got it. At University of Miami? Is that where you went? Yeah. Yeah. I auditioned for their... They had a musical program, right? They do have a musical theater program, yeah. I auditioned for it. There's no way I could ever go there. I got sunburned in the morning of my audition because I was just like laying out at the hotel. <laughs> and I was, was like a tomato. Like you could tell this girl's been on the East Coast for a long time and like, yeah. or like, you know, Northeast. And I was like, I walked in a tomato and I pretty much, I don't remember what I sang or what I did, but I remember being like, I can't move. Like I, there's no movement. Sure. But like not today. I'm very sunburned. It's <laughs> like, there's no way I'll get into this program. And I didn't. It was that. It was an insane place to go to college because there was a pool on campus and like, it's such a party school. Um, so it was it was wild. Yeah. My dad went to law school at University of Miami. Oh my god, I know the law school well. It was, it was adjacent to the theater, so we would oh, always really? sit in the law school uh, courtyard before we did our shows. Yeah. I know he like finished because he's a lawyer, but like he also grew shrooms and sold them to everyone at Miami. <laughs> Miami nice. Told me. It, I mean, it really was. It was it was wild. It was really wild. I, I love that. Did all your friends at school do summer stock? That's such a fun like thing. Yeah. Did you do it in Ohio or like somewhere else? Yeah, I did it. I would go to those like big cattle calls, like those open calls for that places from all over the country we're having. Mm -hmm. And so my first job was in Ohio in my hometown, which was so fun. It paid an $800 stipend for seven weeks of (laughs) work. The whole summer. The whole summer. I lived at home because I lived in the town (gasps) and everybody else lived in the middle school classrooms. What do you mean? They took the desks out of the middle school and they put eight cots, like Annie, like full Annie, little (laughs) orphan Annie, eight cots separated by, you could separate themselves with towels that you hung up to have a little more privacy. And that's what you did for seven weeks. You, they didn't have showers at the middle school. We performed at the high school auditorium. So that's where you would shower and like. (gasps) do like your um any you know teeth brushing or anything like that and then we would rehearse there and do the shows in the high school and it 
is was one of the most fun times of my entire life. <laughs> this is in why the, the morning. arts need more money, though. Okay, like you should not I be mean, housing an actor. <laughs> no, it was. It's so dark and so wrong. We all look back at it like I cannot believe we did that. But I mean, we were we were nineteen, and so you have a lot of resilience, and you're just so excited. I mean, my first time ever getting paid to act. It was like. Oh my god, it was it was heaven. And you know, you're meeting people from other theater programs from around the country mm-hmm. and getting so hammered, like just having the time of your lives. And so like eight in the morning, and they fed us. They fed us breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Oh, that's nice. That's good. And it was good. It was like there was like an in-house chef or whatever. Right. But you worked eleven hours a day. Oh my eight god. in the morning to noon, you would have your work assignment, which was like um working in the costume shop so I had to learn how to sew work in the um construction shop whatever you call it making the set mm-hmm. so I was like like cutting wood and like <laughs> hammer like a painting like it was that it was the whole shebang yeah wow what show did you do what was like your first show we did five shows and I was in four of them that summer I had small parts in all of them but I did get to be in a lot of them and the more shows you're in the less uh like sewing shop or cafeteria right. work you had to do. So we did, I remember mama. Did you know that play? <laughs> it's, a, it's a shitty old play. Um, Leading ladies, which is a really, really funny play by okay. Ken Ludwig. He mm-hmm. did, um, lend me a tenor. Okay. Uh, nonsense, which I was not in and kiss me, Kate and Annie. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. Who are you in Annie? I was, the, <laughs> I was the cop that came out and was like, uh, the line is supposed to be that dog there. What are you doing? And I decided that in it. this period of time, I was, I was like, well, the cop might have been um, an immigrant from Ireland. <laughs> you came in an Irish yeah. accent. I do that. I had six lines and I did them in an Irish accent. I said, that dog there. What's you doing? <laughs> That's really cool. Even though Annie takes place in New York, you were like, New York he's City. an immigrant. That makes sense to me. Irish immigrant in New York. Totally. That that tracks. Yeah. I, in you my really head, I was like, working yeah, for it. Good. You were really acting, doing it. Acting is about accents, is what I thought. And I don't think I was wrong, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it sounds right. Did anybody else? They were like, it's weird. We also have a Jamaican, you know, immigrant. <laughs> They're like, Molly will be Jamaican. And actually, Daddy Warbucks, what if he is a South African accent? (laughs) International Annie. Oh, my God. That's so funny. So you did that for four years. You did summer stock. And then Mm -hmm. did you move to New York City right after school? You were like, Broadway Broadway needs me. I must must go. Broadway needs me. (laughs) This is my favorite time, I think, that I'll talk to you about, about about working. Because... It was just a beautiful time in my life. Right after college, I went to one of those big open call auditions and I got a a bunch of callbacks. I had like a really great audition. I felt was feeling so good about it. And I chose to go to Maine where they had a resort and they were doing seven different shows a week. And in... Yeah, in the callback, they described it to me. They sh- they handed this pamphlet to me with, like, what the resort looked like. And it was beautiful <laughs> lakes and, like, just absolutely stunning. And I was like, okay, yes. And they were like, the only thing is w- maybe once a week, you'll have to be a costume character just for, like, a 20-minute show. And I was like, yeah, if I also get to do High School Musical and, like, all the w- – absolutely, sure, why not? <laughs> and they did an original musical about the resort that was really funny. <laughs> And um, 
It was. It was like really good. I remember reading the script and being like, this is hilarious. And so I was so excited. They were like, they were sort of like very improv comedy uh-huh. people, but like flying by the seat of their parents, running the entire entertainment at the resort. So when I got there, I had every job under the sun you could imagine, oh, no. including being Mortimer the Moose in a moose costume <laughs> seven days a week. What? They lied. S- they lied. Yeah. Yeah. You were like, I'm. I'm supposed. Um, my contract is thirty minutes a week. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like seven what? Day thing. <laughs> what is this? And it was like meet and greets. Kids would like punch me in the balls, and like it was oh, no. so awful. I and then like it, that was just one part of it. Like we worked all day long, and then I at, on Monday nights we um I had to learn how to deal blackjack. So there was like a casino, a casino night. Yeah, there was a casino night. There was a bingo night on Friday nights before the big show at 8 p.m. From 3 to 6, I had to run karaoke for like <laughs> drunk people at this resort. It was it was wild. And so then when that contract was ending for the end of the summer, I got hired at Cedar Point, which is the theme park in my hometown. And I had worked there the summer before that singing and dancing and that was one one of the best jobs is that the one in the documentaries or am i making that no that's i'm thinking of cedar point no i'm thinking of the one action park never mind new jersey what is that documentary i love theme parks oh yeah the documentary about the it's like a lot of people died there on like the water slides and shit chris gethard's in it water park it it just came out oh yeah okay i can't wait to watch this yeah but I've heard of Cedar Point. Maybe my boyfriend used to go there. But Cedar Point is sort of the polar opposite of what you're describing. It is like, it's the best, I'm not exaggerating, it's the best theme park in the world. It's um, like Disney World is incredible for what it does for like entertainment. Yeah. Cedar Point has the best and safest and most exciting roller coasters in the world. Got it. Cool. Like they hold the record for like highest, fastest, all that shit. Um and it's, I love it's just how you're great... giving Disney a run for their money. You're like, Disney's fine at what they do, and they appeal to some. But yeah, <laughs> Ohio is where it's at. <laughs> if you're into that kind of thing, you know, I don't know if, how many listeners have heard of this <gasps> Disney, but uh, give it a, give it a go. No, but Cedar Point really is like it's it's really the the rides are are amazing, and I performed there for a summer singing and dancing, and it was the best. They treated us so well. They, you know, it was like the opposite of summer stock. Like they paid us really well for being college performers. We only learned the one twenty minute show, and we just did that over and over again. Nice, and it was great. So you didn't have to I wear got- any costumes or anything in that. We had to. Yeah, I wasn't a moose. <laughs> I wasn't a moose all day long or anything. <laughs> So then I got hired there again for the fall, which was like, I was like, oh my God, amazing. I I can save up more money before I moved to New York. And it was weekend only shows and I could live at home and like spend two months with my parents. So I told the resort in Maine, I was like, the contract overlaps for two weeks. So I need you to let me go. And they ripped me to shreds. I'm still friends with all of these people. I lived with one of them in New York. Like we we patched it up since then, but it was truly crazy. Oh, like they no. were like, "You're selfish. Like how, how could you do this to us? How could you leave? instead of having a plan in place so that I could like continue employment <laughs> after this job?" Uh, I was like, so I bought plane tickets and flew to Ohio to rehearse on the weekends, and then would fly back to Maine and did that back and forth for the last two weeks. Oh my and it god! Was, it worked out fine because I was getting two paychecks. If you're like a bi-coastal actor. <laughs> doing, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, doing like theme park stuff. shows and 
Yeah, dressed as a moose. Um, <laughs> so then I went to Ohio for the first two months and did the weekend, hollow weekend Cedar Point shows and worked at rest two different restaurants um, Monday through Friday. Wow. So I worked every day. It was awesome. It was like the restaurants were great. The people were great. Waiting tables in Ohio is so different than waiting tables in New York City. It was sure. slow paced. People were kind. <laughs> I made a lot of money. It was great. Yeah. Nice. So and then, then you came to New York. To New York. And guess where I worked when I came to New York? I'm scared. Ruby Tuesdays, Times Square. Planet Hollywood, Times Square. Shut up. I was <laughs> close. Wow. You were Planet very close. Hollywood. Were you just uh-huh. like, I'm an actor now. I'm going to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Planet Hollywood. I was like, like, oh, Bruce Willis and Whoopi Goldberg have been spotted here. This is where I'm going to, it's going to happen for me. All the producers, all the big Broadway producers and casting directors must be coming here. <laughs> I've got to work in Times Square. <laughs> no, it was more, I was very, obviously when you're new to New York, you don't really know, but I got a job right away at a restaurant in Chelsea and it was hell like one of those like nightmare experiences like you know you have a nightmare about what something is going to be and then you're like it could never be that bad Mm -hmm. this was that like bullies like people were awful like the the guy training me was just an absolute bitter asshole Mm -hmm. the restaurant was a mess they trained me on a friday night when it was like (laughs) crazy packed i got yelled at the entire time people were like i've been waiting four hours for a beet salad it was like one of those (laughs) situations so i did that for two training shifts and didn't get paid and on one of them it was so hectic that they just sent me out to run to wait tables without anyone helping me and then i had to give all the money yeah to someone else and that was the day i was like um this is, I'm not coming back. Like this is Mm -mm. insane. So Mm -mm. when I had that horrible experience with like a local owned place, I was like, fuck it. I'm going, I'm going where I, I know there's going to be rules. (laughs) And so I, so I went to Times Square and was like, well, I don't know. I'll just try this and got hired at Planet Hollywood right away and was like, okay, at least I know I'll be able to make some money here. And I should have quit that job as well. But because I had just quit the other one, I felt compelled to stay. And Mm -hmm. it was, I always say it's like everything you've ever hated about a job, Anna. It was like, had all of those elements. <laughs> like it was low pay, bad managers, horrible customers. The food was awful. The It, it was everything about it was literal hell. Oh, Earth. no. How long did yeah. you stay there for? I'm telling you, three and a half months. And when I say it felt like three and a half years, <laughs> I mean that. I thought you were going also- to say three and a half years. I was going to be like, wow. Oh uh, no! I I mean I I I think I literally I don't know I would have survived it. It was really <laughs> it was really traumatizing. Like it was truly. I wrote a play about how uh, about how uh, like truly insane it was. Like I can't even begin. Like people were getting arrested. Like some of the staff were getting arrested for stealing. Like they would wow. chart. They would like rack up a bill at a table, and then the managers would come over, comp everything and then the manager and the waiter would split half of what the bill was and just pocket it and one day a ton of police came in and like handcuffed like six people that i worked with (gasps) it was crazy it was so crazy yeah (gasps) shit goes down in Times square whether you're working or eating there like it's just you you know it's a shit show and People think it's the center of America, and it's like, no, no. No, and the The way I was treated there by customers was like, I I can barely even, like, I can, it barely even sounds true, like, (laughs) some of these stories. I'm like, this, that was so, I had a 13-year-old girl one time who was 
truly the worst like Upper East Side nightmare. <laughs> she made all the other little girls go around the table. She goes, it's my birthday. So I think you should all stand up, go around the table and say one thing you like about me. Whoa. Eek. The nerve. <laughs> And you the watched nerve. all of this. I just stood there. Yeah, I was like, okay, I guess this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, go. She goes, hey guy, where's the DJ? Because there was like a DJ I played at Hollywood. She goes, where's the DJ? I was like, oh, I think he's taking a break, but he'll be back in a few minutes. Taking a break? What is he in the bathroom or something? <laughs> She goes, when he comes back, you better tell him to play Rihanna's only girl in the world because that makes me feel like I'm the only girl in the world. (laughs) And now you teach her acting. (laughs) (laughs) Full circle, truly. I love that. Oh, my God. I had nightmare guests in New York. And of all ages, you never know who you're going to get. It's just like the... I mean, I live for the restaurant stories because I've lived through them. And like... Did you have people Where a lot? Were, I was going to ask if you had people who were always like, what do you do besides this? And you had to be like, I'm an actor. And they're like, oh, do you want to be on like one of the shows around here, like Broadway? Because I would get that shit. Always. <laughs> that was always, it was truly just like, I can't, and you have the same conversation over and over again. And it makes you feel bad every time. <laughs> I had one um, guy that I threw out of Raposo was the place, the the wine bar where I worked. Uh-huh. It was in Hell's Kitchen, and he and his piece of shit husband were like the kind of like really really bitter, mean older gay guys that like you're like, ooh, you haven't been to therapy for your trauma, <laughs> and like it's really coming out in a bad way. They would like say horrible things about other customers, like talk mm-hmm. about like their appearance and like just just say awful 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 stuff and one day he asked me if i'd ever been to marie's crisis and i was like um you know i was like it's not really my thing i was like i'm you know auditioning for musicals all day long i don't really need to go sing at, at night and he goes oh sounds like you're jealous of them because they're doing singing and look where you are <laughs> and i was like no. um I go, I go, what did you, what were you hoping to achieve by saying that to me? (laughs) And he was like, he was like, he was like, you know, he was like, oh, come on. I was just joking. And I was like, well, you need to learn how to joke then because you're tactless and it's not fun. And then I, and then he got mad because I like, you know, put up a boundary and I picked up my um, protein shaker because I would often go from the gym to the to work and then I would like have a quick protein shake like while I was bartending and then put it away and he saw me drink it and he goes oh do you go to the gym because you don't look like you go to the gym What? and I picked up his glass and I said this one's on me you're no longer invited back here (gasps) and I told him not to come back good for you and then I got fired (laughs) (laughs) for doing that I don't know if it was for doing I don't think it was for doing that but it was like for yourself Yeah, and I'm proud of myself for doing that because I worked there for five years and there was, I mean, you know, you know, the restaurant scene. It's like I and it was one of those places where they fired. I'm not exaggerating. In the five years that I worked there, they fired over 20 or 30 people that I had worked with for Mm. maybe two or three of them deserved to get fired. And the rest of it was like they there was just one of those places that one of those managers and owners that led with fear Mm -hmm. and was like if we fuck around with these people they won't fuck around with us which is if you're if you own anything you're listening to this podcast that is not the way no definitely not yeah because it's a nice place make it a good atmosphere yeah 
The where steak- where in the city did you li- work? I worked. Um, do you remember BLT Steak and BLT Prime? There, Prime was on Gramercy. Steak was on like Fifty Seventh. Fifty uh, seventh between like Park and Lex, but I worked for this company, and then I transferred. I worked at BLT Steak LA when I lived in LA. So like, they had like they weren't so so corporate, but they had like ten restaurants around the country or whatever, and they were kind of like like the Palm or like you know they were higher oh, end. Oh, like fancy, yeah. yeah. And uh, I worked at BLT Prime the most, and after five years at BLT, I I quit because I got a day job because I was doing comedy at night, and I was like I can't keep taking off at night and not making money. And we didn't do lunch there. And I was just like, so I got a day job. So I remember walking in and I quit and he fired me on the spot when I, I gave my two week notice. I was like, I've been here for five years. I've, I've worked for you. I have managed, I have done everything and you're going to, I like planned it to start my new job in two weeks. Cause I was like, well, you know, I've worked for this company for a long time. I have to like be respectful and give them at least two weeks for me to. And I said, I'd help replace, you know, find my replacement and whatever. Cause I was the maitre d' at the time. And he was like, we don't need your help. And he was like a drunk, like obnoxious man. And who always told me to wear lower cut shirts. I'd get more tips. If I wore higher heels, people would like me more, you know, just like the worst. And like, I didn't realize it then that I was, I was like, I don't think you're allowed to say these things to women. (laughs) Just got, (laughs) I got fired the day I quit. And I was like, that is not how this works. That is not okay. Mm, no. My mom is Some texting these... me fucking photos of my dad's bread. He's making bread. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I didn't have for this bread. I'm talking about my restaurant trauma. <laughs> it is trauma. One, that was the last the one, restaurant I worked at. I was like, I mean, I'm not. good. It's it's really like, uh, if, if you can afford it, if you can find something else to do, I highly, highly recommend it. Because that was my... <laughs> Last one too. I also worked. I worked in restaurants for ten years. Mm-hmm. From I'm not even including the pool time. Like from, uh, from twenty, like twenty two to about thirty two. I was working in restaurants, and it's just yeah. People can really be so horrible. I once had a woman who uh, came in and was like, had a few glasses of wine and seemed kind of drunk, but pretty much fine. And then she ordered, I think her fourth glass of wine. And it was one of those things where I was like, I'm going to be honest. I don't really feel comfortable serving you. You seem like you've hit your Mm -hmm. limit. And she looked at me and she seemed, she like gathered herself and was like, listen, I got dumped and today and I really need you to just give me a glass of wine she was like I promise I'm fine so I was like okay and then she goes and give me a shot and it was a wine bar so we didn't have liquor and so (laughs) I was like we don't have liquor and she goes what's that right there and there was fucking Sved um Skull Vodka that we use like the low 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 like I'm talking like I think it's like nine (laughs) dollars for a huge bottle like I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, that's what we make for the $5 Bloody Marys at brunch. Like, that's the only liquor we have here, and it's not. You yeah. do, Trust me, you don't want to take a shot of that. And she was she was like, seriously, this is one of the worst days of my life. Like, I got dumped. Can you please just give a girl a break and give me a shot? I was like, okay, okay. So I did it, which was my mistake. And Anna, when I tell you, she went into the bathroom. <gasps> It was a single, like, unisex, one-person one occupancy bathroom. Oh, she no. went in there and poop smeared on the walls, what? on the mirror, on the <laughs> sink, what? on the ground. It was smothered in poop. How? And I have no idea. It seemed like a situation where she was like, maybe she had started to poop herself, and then she ran to the bathroom to try to cover it 
and then like sm- so oh drunk she just like, sm- smeared it everywhere <laughs> and i looked at the hostess and i was like um i told her what happened and she was a friend of mine and so i was like if you help me clean this up I will give you a hundred dollars for my tips tonight, and she was like, "She was like, absolutely. Let's 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 get it. Let's let's clean this up." Because I was worried that I was going to get fired for that. Because I was like, I mean, technically, I guess I overserved her. I thought she was going to be fine, but um, clearly, no. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah. she's on another podcast talking about that one night she pooped her pants. <laughs> she oh, yeah, shit she everywhere. smeared shit all over the bathroom she's wall. She's like, "This is yeah. for my ex boyfriend, and this one's for the other one." <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. It was insane. Yeah. Um, these are amazing stories. I feel like I could talk to you about restaurants all day long. Is there anything I know you prepared, you were so sweet and you were like, I have all these crazy stories. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Because we do have a random caller, which I was excited to do with you. I didn't even get to talk to you though about your comedy. Is there anything because like when I wanted to know when you got into comedy, because you know, that was my last question for you. Oh, Thank you. I mean, th- you're the person for me to be talking about that with because I think I always, I had always been doing comedy. Like the first time I did stand up was in the fourth grade at a talent show. But wow, then, brave. and then I did it one other time when I was 15 at another talent show. And then I would always carry like a book of jokes with me around everywhere that I would just like write stuff down, but I never did anything with it. And then when I was 19 at Miami, someone broke into my car and took my book bag, which had my computer and my book of jokes in it. Mm, So I didn't do stand up at all as an adult after 15 for a decade, for more than a decade. And when I was turning 30, I, you and I did that show at club coming Yes, and Henry and Catherine uh, asked me to do it. And I had done like, I've been making videos on YouTube, but I hadn't, and I'd done a lot of improv, Mm -hmm. but I hadn't done straight up stand up really. And so I was like, yeah, this would be, I've like been meaning to try this again. I have so much trauma around and I want to do it again. And I, you know, the first time you do it, you just really, you don't understand like how, what, what, what you have to do when you're up there and like how you have to like just roll with the punches. And I did that show and I just like fully felt myself completely bombing. And you were in the audience giving me so much love. I can still see your face smiling Aww. and laughing. And I was just like, thank God for this woman. This is like really making <laughs> me feel woman. so good. Oh, I love it. I love that. It was I mean, so, I assumed yeah. if you were doing that show, that was like a packed show. I assumed like, oh, you're... You're just like, we hadn't crossed paths yet. Like, you're just another comic in the scene. And, you know, so to me, you were seasoned. You you did, didn't see, like, you're an Thank natural. you. Thank you. I mean, I, like, I had been writing comedy for a long time, but not stand-up, which we know is different. It's just yeah. different than anything else. And so then when I, after that night, then I moved to Los Angeles. I was like, well, I can't show my face in New York anymore. So <laughs> one show and he's a One show done. and I was like, For, it's done. I have, to, I have to go into hiding. I moved to LA and then I started really hitting um, uh, the open mics in LA and started really, and then I uh, got to go to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival with a musical. And I yeah, was like, when amazing. I'm there, I want to do my hour stand up. So I made it my goal for that year to have an hour ready when I went to Edinburgh and I did my hour in Edinburgh for a week. And then after that, I like couldn't stop. I was like, I need to be doing this more. So that's when I started touring with it. You're very good at setting goals and being like, I have to get this done. I will get this done this year. Like, I feel like that's a common theme I've, I've heard throughout 
from like you know start to finish you've been good at that that's impressive yeah because you know i will say i think all these shitty jobs help make that happen you know you're like what i often think is like if if I can reach this goal, that could be a stepping stone to not be teaching child models or waiting on tables, you know? I know. I always think of that. I'm like, if I do this, I will not have to go back to a restaurant, especially in a pandemic. Like, I don't want any of that. No, 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 no. No. Uh, yeah. Um, well, you're so sweet to be here. I wanted to know, do you mind if we take a caller? So this is uh, someone who, uh, a random unemployed person from Twitter. We love taking stranger calls on this podcast. And uh, I was fascinated with his message to me because he was working at GameStop for seven years and was laid off before this whole stock drama. So I was like, wow, very topical. Mm-hmm. I, I have questions. So topical. Um, I know. I just thought it was kind of interesting. But also I said we'd give him a pep talk about like what to do when you're in this situation. So his name is Ken. Uh, I was like, I don't have to say your name or anything. He was like, I don't care. So I'm going to admit him. Oh, hello. Nice to meet you. Hello, Hi. Nice to meet you. Welcome to the party. These are my friends, Tim and Ellen. Ellen, is it Ken or Kenner? How, how do you prefer? Kenner. What do you prefer? Kenner, that's cool. Kenner. Yeah. Kenner. Kenner, I love it. Where are you calling in from? Oregon. Roseburg, Oregon. 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 Okay, obviously you dropped. So I asked on online, I was like, is anyone unemployed, you know, and could use a pep talk today? And you piqued my interest when you said you worked for GameStop. Yep. Because... Did you think GameStop would be trending the way it was this week? No, not, <laughs> all not over the at place. all. Not at all. <gasps> oh, my God. So tell me, what happened? How long were you there? When did you stop working there? So I'd been there for almost seven years. Um, I got a call a couple weeks ago from our district leader saying, hey, I need you to come in. I was working that day anyway, so I went in. Um, I sat down with him and... And then immediately was kind of like tripped out because they're like, okay, we're going to have a talk with LP. And I was like, okay, LP, what's up? Because we never had that kind of stuff happen in the store. So started talking to him and started going off about different things. And then it was a, hey, um, you did some returns for some people and you did some exchanges for some people. Did you know that you were doing or using the warranties wrong for stuff? And I'm like, no. So come to find out for the last six or seven years of us doing the same exact stuff, we had been doing it wrong to the company. And just now it was flagged as doing it wrong. Um, Now, granted, to me, that's a red flag. After six yeah. years, they're telling you yeah. this? I, I even talked to an older district leader that we had because we're still friends on Facebook or whatever. And she's like, how, if this was something that had been going on, why did they just flag you guys now? And so like I was suspended and then fired. My store manager was suspended and then fired, but he was suspended and fired for something totally different. But they hmm. just it was it was weird because then the next day my old co-worker told me hey just so you know they got rid of your position in the store anyways and at other stores so it was kind of like a, hey i think a, this is technically against policy why were you doing it but 
I think they were trying to save money by getting rid of the two guys that had been there the longest. Yeah. Right. But I don't know. Tim and I were just talking about getting fired from a lot of restaurants that we used to work at. And it's crazy what they will pull out of their ass to, you know, to have to, to spend less money to dedicated employees who've been there for years and like, I can't believe this. And then you see that the stock rises and GameStop is like the hottest (laughs) thing on the market right now. And that's got to hurt. That's got to be like a mind fuck. Uh, Sorry, pardon my my French. No, the whole (laughs) thing was just because, you know, even the last couple of weeks, you know, we we wouldn't joke because it wasn't funny because it was our jobs. But we're like the way the company's going, some of the weird crap that they're doing. I can't imagine, you know, I tell my family at home, like, don't be surprised if you see on the news stuff about GameStop because they started closing stores. I'm like, our town isn't that big. So mm-hmm. hopefully, you know, I have a job. And then it came back to something as, you know, it's not like I was, I mean, I guess to them I was causing loss or whatever, but I wasn't stealing. I wasn't messing with my time and doing stuff that, was considered this terrible thing. It was just a lot of it was customer servicing and, you know, of not course you were right. Because you, I, I, the only people I know who last at jobs for more than, f- for more than two years, you were there. What? Almost seven years are, are, very, are people who do a good job, <laughs> people who, who they can count on. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Tim and I were talking about this before, how like managers will, they'll, and corporate companies will literally like, yeah, shock you because they don't want to be mean. You know, they don't want to have to like, you know, be the mean guys. They're, they're going to well, just, and it's your corporations, fault. Yeah. Corporations do not have our best interest in mind as employees. Like they, I think in general, they will do whatever they can to not get sued and not, you know, mess with their bottom line. So oftentimes they will figure out a different reason to let us go from these jobs. And it really is so shitty and it sounds like that had nothing to do with you or your performance. And I'm sorry that that happened. Cause it's like, it's, so, it happens too often to too many people, mm-hmm. especially in this country. I feel like. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Wait, so, but you, you were working throughout the pandemic though. It sounds like right. Until a couple of weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. I, it, not as much, you know, they cut our hours quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm especially even through the holidays. So, you know, we tried to make it work between the couple of us that were comfortable working. And, you know, I just, it would have been easy just to sit at home, but I I was going crazy just sitting here. I mean, you know, I got a couple of kids, so doing the online school and, you know, I was like, Hey, I need to get out, go to work every now and then. (laughs) And so. Yeah, I commend you. I can't understand how people had to turn into full-time teachers, parents, you know, and they have to go to their job. Like that's, I don't have kids. So I applaud you for all the work that you've had to, that you've had thrown on you. Um, But I have a question for you. What do you feel like doing now? Like if you could do anything, you do have some free time. I hope you're able to claim unemployment because I imagine. It's, it's held up right now. Um, because it'll happen yeah so i'm just you know i'm waiting it's slow yeah (laughs) i don't i don't know what i want to do right now like if i could do anything you know i thought about splitting time just because i got family down in la i was just down there for 
um, a funeral for a friend of the family, kind of. And um, I used to do background acting years ago when I was there, and it was always fun. And, you know, my grandparents are getting a little up there and need a, you know, so we were, we were debating, but I don't know if I could do anything and not have to worry about stuff. I'd do something like that just because, you know, I'd always kind of had this since I did it before of wanting to do something, but just, you know, life went a different way and just mm-hmm. kind of popped back in. So you a have pop- a little bit of the creative bug is what you're trying to say, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Well, you've come to the right place. That's all Tim and I ever wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ellen, we've all been working, trying to work in entertainment or working in entertainment for, for years now, you know, woven through survival jobs, I'd say. Um, but you right now is a great time to want to be creative. I was I'm just going to put it out there. Tim and I have done videos like on our own forever. Like, I don't know, if Tim, I feel like the only way I've ever gotten ahead in my life or like people to notice that I want to do something in the entertainment field or when I put out my own videos, like not when someone calls me for background work or any kind of work. I've done some background work when I lived in L.A., but like. And I know this sounds, you're going to laugh at me, okay, Kenner, you're going to laugh at me. But TikTok is an amazing place to be creative. (laughs) It's true. It's really true. And you have kids. Oh, parents with kids and and on TikTok. I don't know if you want to put your kids on camera, but like, I can't tell you how entertained I am by all these videos. And like, these people are like getting followers and making money and like, it's growing. And it's literally like from the camera of your phone and you don't have to do anything else crazy. And I don't know if you've explored it. Am I, is this a foreign territory right now? Uh, somewhat. I've, I've looked at it a little bit just to kind of get an idea of, you know, how it all worked out. Just having like sat down and had the time to try to do as much, um, with some of that stuff at the time yeah well i was gonna say that or even if you feel like being creative like a podcast is very easy to launch and do by yourself from home there's like i don't know there's just so many things now technology has made it easy for us to if you have the bug to be creative and do stuff in the field like you can make that happen for yourself i i, I sound a- <laughs> silly but Tim, do you have anything are you, to add? Yeah, I was going to say, are you a video gamer? Like, did you like that part of working at GameStop? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, other than, it's kind of like when I, because I used to work in a call center too on the phone. It's like, you do something for so long, you start kind of hating it. So there was some times where I'd like be at work and a game would come out and, you know, I'd maybe, you know, checking it out just because you'd have to be able to talk to people about stuff and the next day after starting it, someone's like, oh, did you hear this happen? And I'm like, oh, no, I didn't get there quite yet. But thank you. So, They're spoiling oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now, I would live to hear, like, even if you got on TikTok and you were like, here's some shit that went down at GameStop. I worked there for seven years. If that was, like, <laughs> the title of your video, I'd be like... That's a very good idea. Boom. Like... It piqued my interest when you dro- when you said GameStop. I was like, "Hey, wait, what? W- what really went on there?" Because now we're seeing all these, you know, redditors are buying up stock and it's like exploding as if. And this has been a company. How long has it been around? Forever since yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, it was the store that, in, like, especially in our mall. Like, my brother was a big gamer, so like GameStop was like a big stop for a you know, place for us to go. <laughs> but 
I don't know. Maybe that sounds very silly, but I, I'm giving you I'm giving you just a pitch, you know, to oh, yeah, give me sure. that series. <laughs> give me the series of like the customer service, all the stuff that went down at GameStop that we don't hear about. Yeah, I think about. that's an interesting idea, especially because um, a lot of the what we're hearing about the whole GameStop thing right now is like about the people who are like moving the stock and not about the actual people who work there. And that's like an important part of the story that's missing. Yeah. Yeah, I never thought about it. And I and will I share it. I will tweet it for you. I would be glad to. So I don't know. It's I don't just know a very thought. much about Twitch, but I know a lot of people are playing video games on there and stream of consciousness talking and making a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like I think I from what I understand, it seems like it's kind of I could be totally wrong, listeners, so correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. But it seems like it's easier to make money on there than it is even on TikTok, YouTube, or podcasting because people really want to just take in that kind of content. If you're playing video games and talking about your experience at GameStop, I mean, I know tons of video gamers who would love to hear that kind I would of love behind that. the scenes tea. Yes. Yeah. Especially because that's your audience. You know, like you'll get people who are like, yeah, I want to hear, you know, behind the scenes of GameStop. I don't know. I think that's very cool. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. On Twitch, you can just like send money right away. People were like, you should get into Twitch. I tried being a gamer for like a week. It it didn't work out. I'm not. <laughs> <bad at it. laughs> there are I also did. some good, I don't know how you feel about writing, Kenner, but there are some good side hustle jobs uh, about writing about video games that um, recapping and like a lot of these. Like I work reviewing. For screen, reviewing. I work for Screen Rant, um, recapping reality TV and no shade to screen rant. It doesn't pay amazingly, but if you really made it not part-time and more of a full-time thing, you could really have like a pretty decent supplemental income and it's really fun. And right now while we're all sitting at home, it's like a really good option. My friend Amber Petty sends out uh, newsletters and she has a whole workshop on how to find work during this time and also how to find uh, side hustle jobs for for artists, for people who are looking for extra income. And I found it to be so, so helpful. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Kenner, have I, have I brightened your day a little bit? That was my goal was to say, say hi. (laughs) Sure. No, yeah, definitely. You know, like it, it uh, sounds like a good idea to try to brainstorm something with telling crazy GameStop stories or, you know, regarding something. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you say this is hi, I worked at GameStop and I'm going to tell you some crazy stuff. I can't imagine that wouldn't get some views right now. Like, so how do you feel about escape rooms? Do you care about that? (laughs) Oh, I've never there's a couple around here and I've, you know, I've seen them, you know, kind of sprout up, but I've never thought to actually do one. I don't know. Sounds kind of kind of interesting. I've never done one either. They're the most fun thing in the entire world. I, they're so, so fun. And obviously, most people can't do them right now because of the pandemic. But a lot of these companies have gone online. And I know several people who have gotten uh, GameStop, uh, like Game Master jobs, where they sit on Zoom in their home. And I think it's $15 an hour. And they... Um, run the game for people so you would just be like hey i'm kenner welcome to the game and then they as they go in the game you have all the answers and if they need help getting through with the clues they ask you for the clues and it's so much fun it doesn't pay as well as it should but uh yeah i think that's like a great um option for anyone sitting Mm -hmm. at home right now sounds cool that's very cool 
Well, Kenner, thanks for hopping on with us. It was really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you guys. Yeah. And I hope that all of your dreams come true. And you know what? Screw the corporations. You know what I mean? I mean, people are trying to mess with them right now with their stocks. So (laughs) they don't know what it's like from the inside. (laughs) Anna and I have both been fired more than once so (laughs) it will be okay yeah i know it will be okay and i hope i'm sending love to your family and your kids going through zoom school and whatnot you know that's tough right now so at least you have a smile on your face (laughs) thank you thank you (gasps) thanks it was great to meet you you too nice to meet you bye bye oh that was so fun so sweet. Also, uh, maybe try modeling, Kenner. I know you guys can't see him, but he was very handsome. So handsome. So great. I honestly was like, oh, these are series I want to watch. I would watch him talk shit about games. Yeah. Right yeah. 100. I really, I, I was, yeah, I would want, love to know that. Ah, wow. I feel like a, I feel like a baby producer. I just gave him a show. I'm like, go off, go on to the world. Give us the show we need. Truly. Oh, that was great. And the game idea that you had is brilliant. I didn't know people were doing online escape rooms. What a cool thing. It's great. I've done a couple of them uh, during the pandemic with like friends on Zoom and it's really, it's super, super hmm. fun. You'll have to let me know next time because I've never done one and I feel like I'd probably suck at it, but I'd have a nice time. The only thing I will say is if you've never done one in person, it oh, is no. a little bit like, what even is this? You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, it's on the computer. When you do them, we should do one in person when the world opens up because they're so, so fun. Okay. I would love that. I plan to come to LA when COVID's not taking over. Yes. <laughs> Please. Oh my God. Well, this was amazing. Where can everybody find you and listen to you and see your beautiful face? You can follow me at tmurray06 on all platforms. And if you want to subscribe to and listen to Slumber Party Podcasts, I'd love that. I interview drag queens, Broadway stars, and comedians about their sleepover experiences growing up and mostly try to figure out uh, when they knew they were gay. (laughs) (laughs) It's really fun. And that's on iHeartRadio Broadway Network now. But you can find it wherever podcasts are found or on YouTube. Amazing. And you have to follow him on Twitter. I mean, you tweet the funniest shit. It makes me laugh all day long. So thank you. And that's it. That's another episode of Unemployed with Anna Roisman. If you're unemployed and you want to be the caller into the show, definitely hit me up on social media. Let me know. Please go back and listen, rate, review, subscribe, all those good, good things. And if you want to see our faces, well, check out the Patreon. Patreon.com slash unemployed podcast. Follow me on Twitter. You know where to find us. I love you. Goodbye. Bye. I want to say it in an Irish accent. Goodbye now. Thank you so much for coming. (laughs) That was terrible. Okay, bye. Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout out right here from me. Tons of love. And if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it. And it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed. And, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon. And right now, huge shout out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steele, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you. 